0: missional communities are kicking off this month missional communities are our home depot thing right you can do it we can help we're not planning how you can reach those within your reach we're saying you know the people in your life the best what would you do if you wanted to connect them to this family so we're saying whatever you think would work best we want to help you accomplish that so we got you guys on the list for this month is that still looking good yeah we're gonna plans to this weekend, this coming weekend, hopefully. So For this coming weekend? I, if
1: it's on the next one, I might have to talk with Hannah and figure okay. it out, we've just been kind of, this must have been a
0: little yep. crazy. Y'all figure out a date, shoot that out as soon as you can, we can plan around that. So, you guys are going to host probably an event that connects you with your neighbors. Yep. Okay. So what we get to do is we get to help, come help them grill, come help them uh, bring the bagel back out, all those things. And just help them throw a party for their neighbors and, and uh, let them come share lunch with our family and treat them like they're already family so they know what that feels like. And then in April, did you got mm-hmm. your time? Okay, y'all are mean, So the branches are in April <coughs> and then we got coming up as well. Um, so if the branches don't take a hold of Easter as their kind of purpose, we may host an Easter egg hunt at our house um, that way. All of your people can come, and then all of our neighbors can come, and we'll just have Easter egg hunt in our property there. I was going to say,
2: I probably still want to do the Easter grilling and fishing at our house like we did last year, regardless. So whatever the branch is doing. For like the Saturday before or something.
0: And that's missional community. Missional community is saying, I know the people within my reach the best, so we're going to be hospitable towards them. And when they come, they're also going to get to feel what it's like to be a part of God's family. Right, so they're going to feel it. We're not going to have to describe it to them. They're going to feel it, and they're going to walk away knowing what that's like. And so, when you invite them to a Sunday morning or anything else that we got going on, they're like, "Huh, those people aren't too weird. I actually like that family, and I could see myself in it." Right. So that's missional community. We're not scheduling outreach as a leadership. You know your people and your reach far better than we do. So we're not going to screw that up. We're going to let you screw that up. And we're going to help you. <laughs> we just try. We just try. We just do things, right? So that's Mission of Community. April 7th. Put that on your calendar. Big day. We'll print out some like postcards that we can send friends and family and invite them to be a part of that day with us, right? It would be really cool to see how many people we could actually host in this space. I'm guessing about 70. It would be really cool to see what that max is so that we could we could know. All right. um, so, anywho, anywho, any other announcements before we get into a talk time? Hey, we should coin that, talk time. All right? That's good. You like it? If, if Mark likes it,
2: we're in. So. Just stand on TED Talk. Since I'm not cool
0: enough to be a TED Talk guy, they haven't invited me, right? Um, so, let me open up with this. Um, my view of danger the older I get I think we talked about this a little bit on our run yesterday my view of danger is changing the older I get like I used to love things that were dangerous um, and used to kind of get a kick out of it two things have happened number one, I've gotten older and I think I've gotten to be more scared in my old age Um, number two, you have kids and when you have kids your view of danger Changes because now they're doing dangerous things and that freaks me out. Right? So that's kind of your view of danger. But when I was a teenager, right, who cares? You just do things and it's fun. Um, so I've an older and I have kids. I was sitting in the, we have a rocking chair, recliner in our bedroom, um, and I was sitting in there with Justice. He sits in my lap and we're just talking. And um, Justice is obsessed with bull riding if you haven't followed my social media. I'm obsessed with bull riding all day, every day. That's all we talk about. That's all he does is bounce around on his little bouncy bull. Um, it's it's over the top. Um, but he's sitting in my lap and 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 he's he's, so he's sitting right here, he's holding my hands, he's like, Daddy, which hand did you ride bulls? Right? He wants to know which hand I put in the rope, what my what hand my friend is. He wants to know everything. He's got pictures of me. Riding bulls over his bed. He takes them off the wall and stares at them all day long. <laughs> Such a crazy thing. Um, so he's like, Dad, which, which one? And he's holding my hand, and he's, he's like, so you rode with this one? I'm like, yeah, this is my riding hand. This is the one that I held on with. I said, but when I was in high school, I broke this arm. And you see that scar right there? I've got scars because I broke that arm, and I had to put it back together. I said, while this one was broken, I rode with this one until this one healed. And, and I'm sitting there and she's like, So you rode with this one too? I'm like, yes. Until this one got better. While it was in a cast, I rode with this one. So I'm telling him the story and he's just in awe of it. He's he's following me because he's obsessed. But then after I finish talking, Shelly kinda peeks him from getting ready and she's like, Is that really like the story we want to tell our five year old? <laughs> Like that, you can break things and keep riding, and you don't. Have, I mean, it's just like. But when I was in high school, there was no other option, right? Danger didn't really connect in my mind. But then, when you get children, it's like all of a sudden I don't know if you want to promote that same dangerous mentality. Um, so, is that really what we wanted for him? So danger can be sexy until we age or have kids. <laughs> Moral of the story, right? Your kids. I mean we saw L roll <laughs> down the hill the other day. And it wasn't my kids, I thought it was awesome.
3: Oh, you did <laughs>
0: 30 miles an hour with a scooter. She's looking backwards until she's rolling forward. That was dangerous, right? It's no longer sexy when it's your <coughs> So here's the deal. We have this book we've been going through. We haven't been going through. I've encouraged you to spend time with Jesus by utilizing this book. We've still got more of them over there. So grab one, utilize it. This is a tool that you can use to learn to spend time with Jesus, to learn to allow him to reflect who you are and where you're at back in your life. Um, and he doesn't work. He's done a work with me through this tool. But it's called 21 Dangerous Prayers. And then Zach Talbert asked me the other day, he said, what's so dangerous about prayer? What could be so dangerous about prayer? Um, So that's really the question we're going to... Actually, we're not going to talk... There's there's five questions that this asks you every day that you do it. And we're going to hit question four here in a little bit. But I wanted to back up... And this morning, I have prepared more questions than I have answers. So I'm either going to look like a genius this morning, or I'm going to look unprepared. One of the two is going to happen. We'll see how this works out. Um, but I don't have a lot of notes this morning. I just got a handful of questions. And want just to kind of plow through it. This will be foundational for prayer, but I think it will also be a little bit challenging for our prayer lives as well. Um, so I'm going to start with question one. Question one. What does it mean to pray? Whoa. <laughs> You'll realize my spelling is I'm almost illiterate. Okay. So what does it mean to pray? Right? We kind of make this assumption and we move past this, we skip past this, and we're like, you just assume that you understand or you assume that under everybody else understands. So what's it mean to pray? What is that? Let's have direct communication with God. Okay. Direct communication to God. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Add to, take away from that. To thank God for what He's done for you. Okay. Um, So it's an opportunity through communication. So prayer takes on a lot of purposes, and thanksgiving is one of those. Uh, Most definitely. And do we want to go down that path real quick? Do we want to say what are the purposes of God since Lisa directed us down that path right now? Because I made a list yesterday. What else do we use prayer for? If it's direct communication to God, first one option is to give thanks. What's another option? To make supplication for others. Can you give that in a word that we use on a daily basis? Uh, so plead before God on behalf of others. Okay. So we plead for others. We make requests before God for other people. So it's not only me talking to God about myself sometimes. Or for myself, either way. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? Ask for help? Okay? Direct communication to God asking for help. We all need help. Confession.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Confession of our sins. Okay. Resulting in if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you. But so John tells us in 1 John, if you are willing to confess your sin, then He is willing and able to forgive your sin. All the things that... Um, cause us to be filthy and and, and not able to approach the presence of God because we are covered in sin, guilt, shame, fear. All those things are erased. Now we can come directly to Him through the act of confession. Okay? Because of... Why are we able to confess resulting in forgiveness?
3: Because God gave His Son to die for all those things.
0: Yeah. So the payment has already been given. Your act of confession doesn't result in forgiveness simply because you said it. Your act of confession results in forgiveness because Jesus already paid for it and he, through confession you're receiving it. Right? Jesus purchased you, died for you, all the weight of your sin placed upon His shoulders and He was placed upon a cross. He became the sacrificial lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Now, that forgiveness is applied to as you pray through faith in Jesus, confessing your sins. Right. So interesting, what does it mean to pray? Direct communication to God. Let me draw you a little picture. Wow, this is awful. I didn't plan on this. This guy's extra holy. He's praying on his knees. Right. So, how do you all want me to draw God? This is absolutely inaccurate. This is absolutely inaccurate. Like don't think that I think God's an old man with a beard. God is spirit. Nobody has ever seen him. Nobody ever looks at him. So, But because in the movies he's the old man with the beard. Okay. So here you are, communicating directly to God, which is impossible. It's impossible. Except that we pray through Christ. Christ makes it possible. Your direct communication to the Father is only made possible by the Son. right? Because our communication, our relationship with Him was broken by what? The fall of man. Sin. Yeah, Genesis 3, the fall of humanity into sin. Broken relationship with the Father. Jesus heals that relationship by taking that sin that separates upon Himself so that you can go directly to the Father again. You see that with Adam and Eve in Genesis 1 and 2 when God is in their midst communicating back and forth and it's a normal thing. But then in Genesis 3 when sin enters we run from God and we put a covering on we hide it, because there's guilt and shame. But when Jesus takes our guilt and shame called sin upon himself through faith and what he has done on the cross and that he is come out of the tomb, he is alive three days later, through faith, confidence in that and only that, he becomes the go-between. Between us and the Father, making direct communication possible to him. We talked about this on our run a couple weeks ago, right? There are some belief systems that say there's an earthly priest that can be that go-between. The Bible says we have one priest. Our great high priest, his name is Jesus. He's the only go between we have or need. Okay. Direct communication with God. Made possible by Jesus through confession of sin. Faith in the cross. Okay. For that reason, we get to pray. In Hebrew, says we get to come boldly to the throne of God. Right. So that's prayer. Question number two. I should have just put ditto, does, because the first three words Mm -hmm. are identical. What does it look like to pray? Uh, Anything. hmm? Okay. Driving down
3: the road, taking a shower.
0: Okay. You're a good on-my-way-to-work prayer? A good... Scrubbing my head pray in the shower. Not because i got itchy stuff, but in the shower. If you have itchy stuff, take a shower and pray, buddy.
1: <laughs>
0: what else does it look like to pray? I love those answers. Boldly in front of other people with a lot of vocabulary. Okay. <laughs> Jesus says, don't pray like that. Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the guys that walk around and they say a lot of things... Really loud to be heard. He said, they've received everything they're going to give. There's nothing else for them. But actually, what what is Jesus' instruction? Instead of praying publicly, boldly, like you're a really smart guy. Using a lot of words. What does he say instead? Close doors. Like stuff in a closet. Talk directly to your Father. And you will receive your reward. So number one, prayer is not a show. Prayer is communication between you and God. Can we pray in public? Do we pray in public? Yes, we do. Is prayer a show? How many times have you either felt inadequate or heard somebody else say, well, I don't want to pray because when they pray, they sound really cool. So don't call on me to pray because I don't sound that cool when I pray. Right? Okay? That's that mentality that it's like it's a show, it's, it's something... You forget that it's direct communication between you and the Father, and you think that everybody else in the room is part of that conversation. Like you're talking to them, trying to impress them now. God's already impressed. He was impressed by Jesus on the cross. Now go to him. So it can be in our car, it can be in the shower, it can be in the closet, it can be corporately together. It's not necessarily a bunch of big fancy words used over and over and over and over to sound cool. What did Jesus say prayer look like? When you pray, pray like this. What did he say? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're holy. You're, you're so different from me, our Father. Your kingdom come, Let the things that you do, the things that are of your kingdom, let those be here. Let us live it out. Let us see it. So you're talking to your father. That's what prayer looks like. Whether it's in the shower, in the car, in the closet, in the corporate league, we're just simply talking to our dad. My kids get this. They're like, we got two dads. Yeah, you do that. Yeah, you do and I'm like, I'm your second best. Because you have a better father. Who doesn't yell at you. He doesn't get frustrated. He doesn't lose his temper. He's a good gift giver. You know. So we're just talking to our father. We had a student in student ministry a long time ago. She used to pray. <laughs> she always started our prayers with daddy. First time she did that, it caught me off guard. She's praying to her daddy. <laughs> That's awkward. But then I'm like, no, that's exactly what the Bible taught. Jesus says, or Jesus says, when you pray, pray like you pray to your father. Paul says, we have the spirit living inside of us that causes us to call out Abba, Father, which means daddy. Because the spirit of God lives in us through faith in Jesus, our heavenly father becomes our daddy. And we had a ninth grade student a long time ago that used to pray, daddy. All right. So each question gets a little more personal. So I like to start off broad and then move a little closer to home. Um, that way you get really comfortable and vulnerable, and then when we get to the stuff that you don't want to talk about, you're actually warmed up. Um, so question number three: Do I pray? I mean, just think about that, it's like we, we talk a lot about prayer, we assume the concept of prayer, we pray when we come together, but the question for you is, do you pray? And maybe what does that look like for you, is it like a regular thing? Is it like, I'm a freaking out thing? Right? Right? Continual conversation with your Heavenly Father, or like, I need my daddy because my life's falling apart and somebody's got to fix it thing, you know? So, do you pray? Well, what? If question number one is a yes, then what's the answer to question number two? What kind of things do we pray about?
3: Peace.
0: Uh, Requesting it, okay. So, about what we pray for, peace.
2: I think that's something I've loved about. I'm only on like day three of that journal, um, but it's the simplicity of that. Just seeing the value. We were talking about that our discipleship group last week. Just because it has one of the questions of like, it'll ask you, "What do you regret?" I always got something. always got regrets for that day or the day before check out
0: the podcast from last week if you want to hear that message oh
2: like I got like I have that and then it's like who should you pray for today or who, who, do you, who do you pray for today mm-hmm. and I just feel like God always gives me names um obviously my kids and my husband are always on that but there'll be specific friends or just family or just stuff going on with people that it's just like God I, I just put them on my heart pray for them. and then it's like what are you doing today and I feel like it's been the most kind of a little bit changing for me in my prayer life of just listing out my random schedule of like I've got to meet with this client I've got to do this, I've got to do this but then it's like praying over those things that I'm going to do today and that God would give me favor and that I would do those things of excellence Um, I think that's been kind of a change up in my prayer life of just actually praying over like my just my daily schedule, my to-do list of things Um, and I've actually, that has brought a lot of peace Mm. Because I'm, it's like I'm I'm going to him first
0: before you go to <laughs> before I go to all that
2: the craziness of yeah. just work and
0: so what Shelley stuff. is referencing is every day there's a, a scripture a couple paragraphs and then these five questions and these five questions that direct your prayer life in some form or fashion you don't just answer the questions and say I did my homework today you answer the questions and now you pray them back to your father right. It's not a checklist on your day. It's a it's a directional thing to your prayer. So, peace and uh, my day. Now, the interesting thing that Shelley said is my day in advance. Sometimes, it's only when our day goes bad and we reflect back to our Heavenly <coughs> Father and say, My day was horrible. But what she just said is, going into my day, I'm giving... Giving my Father every appointment and every interaction I'm going to have. It's a different perspective on a prayer, right? So, what other types of things do we pray for?
3: Okay, I'm going to open up and be a little bit vulnerable right now, but um, I've gone through some things lately, and my prayer has just been for acceptance of God's will, whatever okay. that will is.
0: So not only God's will to be done, but for me to be at peace with it or good with whatever he's doing in my life. Yeah. I think we can all connect with that. Very much so. Tyler, what's something I put on here? What's something we pray for? Um. And by we, I mean you. (laughs) Um.
1: Salvation, I'm saying, for um, you know people that you're in contact with and stuff. Okay. Or that they would
0: begin to move in faith and grow in faith. Yeah. Salvation of others, increased faith. These are things we pray for. Okay. anybody else. Been a
1: lot of praying that frustration doesn't rob me of my joy or distract me from what's important. Okay, how do I write that? Uh, remove frustration. He's
2: praying for contentment, that's not like just contentment
0: and <coughs> kind of joy. And I don't know, yeah. he's not praying for contentment, he's saying I'm discontent and I like it, but he's I don't want it to ruin for it. Joy. <laughs> <He's praying>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: don't want frustration to like, draw remove,
1: you of the it, Remove it, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Take I didn't, I didn't know So that I'm, it doesn't steal right. joy. And, yeah. I didn't know if you wanted it to keep the no, I don't do do want to it. You just wanted everything no, to be I okay, despite your... Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, we'll go with contentment. Yeah. That's a good plan. Yeah. That's a good way it. <laughs> Okay, so here's, here's the deal. Over the past few weeks, I've given you an image. I'm not going to draw my taco again. Um, that Micah said was a talk, I'm still going to give us our two categories. From 2 Corinthians chapter 3, this is what Paul tells us. Um, this week we're going to call it Category 1. In Category 1, uh, Paul is telling us in 2 Corinthians 3, this is where we're coming from. And he said, because of Jesus, this is where we're going. So Category 1 is where we're coming from. We're coming from fear, coming from death. Uh, and I'm going to describe these a little different. Death being the end of things. Okay. Uh, we're coming from guilt. And all these things came with the Old Covenant and Moses, the Ten Commandments that he received, he gave to Israel. And this is the product of it. Come from um, kind of slavery. It's where we're coming from. These are the places that were stuck. Uh, or controlled. We are coming from an obsession with temporary things. So this is category one. This is where before we found Jesus, before he found us, this is where we are. Um, In fear, death, guilt, slavery, obsessed with temporary things. But then, in Christ, Paul says we are moving into a new category of life. This is category two, where we have boldness, we have life, which is the yeah. Don't even I know that's wrong. Beginning of things. So when you write really fast, you can skip letters and you still know what it means, I'm right? Texting, so, yeah. yeah. Second, There's one person in the room that understands me. Sam, <laughs> you should be more understanding of my <laughs> I'll second, same. As me. <laughs> Undeserved righteousness. Uh, second category is freedom and everlasting treasure. Okay? This is where we were, even something so simple as the Ten Commandments puts us here, Uh, and then from Moses to Jesus, now we're moving into boldness, moving into abundant life, undeserved righteousness, freedom, and everlasting treasure. So here's the question that we have for us today. What category or characteristics do my prayers fall into? think about that for a second when you think about your prayer life is it more fear based is it more concerned with how things are ending is it more full of guilt and remorse is it full of slavery the things you're stuck in the things you're controlled by is it praying for temporary things Or are you shifting because your relationship with Christ that I'm no longer fearful, but I come to the throne of God boldly, expecting my Heavenly Father to move mountains on my behalf? Am I praying about the end of things? Or am I praying about the beginning of things? Jesus, when we, our men's DNA group, we read... um, we read the story of God that we hadn't read that in months but we brought it back out and it made a comment in there that said uh, (coughs) Jesus experienced and overcame death. I was like, wow, that's profound. The fact that it just said it. We know we talk about the cross all the time. We talk about the resurrection all the time. But it said he experienced death and then he overcame it. Interesting thing is I think sometimes when we're still living in the old category we still pray as if things are coming to an end. We can be obsessed with the end of things. Let it end well. Let it end gently. Let it end this way. Or, in Christ, our mind begins to transition and say, when there's death, now we're praying for the new life that comes out of it. When a season is coming to a close, a season is coming to an open. Right? Right? And I think when we're still in our old category, in our old self, and we haven't moved ahead in Christ, we're still praying as if things are ending. And Jesus says, no, every time there's death, there's new life. So in the mind of Christ, I, I don't see things ending. I see things beginning, being birthed. And I just wonder if our prayer life is transitioning by that. Guilt? Yeah. We know that I used to go to bed every night and pray for forgiveness of the same thing over and over and over and over. I can remember praying for years about the same sin and the same guilt that I carry to bed every night. Or, is my prayer life moving into the undeserved righteousness? I'm right with God. I was guilty before God. Jesus paid that debt. Now I'm His Son. I'm no longer His enemy. I'm moving boldly in this undeserved righteousness that I have. It's a gift. I'm going to live it and enjoy it. Are my prayers marked by slavery, the things I'm stuck and controlled by? <coughs> or is my prayer life showing an increase of freedom that I've received in Christ? Or is it still defined by the things that I'm stuck in? Temporary things, or is my prayer life indicating the eternal treasure that I'm storing up? So, hope that makes sense. What category? And what characteristics listed here do you find in your prayer life? This is not a pity party. This is just just diagnosing our prayer life, right? Seeing where we're at in our journey. Well, lately, mine has started off.
1: Like, it's it's definitely been more thankful. Definitely just starting off prayers, but it always kind of come, there's always something that seems more like category one that
0: it comes back to. Which are these characteristics that you see kind of fleshing up from slavery? COVID. So there's a continual something in your prayer life that's defined and present because of the things you're stuck or controlled by. Now, here's what this means. This doesn't mean Stephen's a horrible person, his prayer life sinks. What this means is we're all on a journey from one place to another. And it's good for us to recognize, as in looking in a mirror, where we're actually at. right? Because if this is where we're at, Jesus is where he has purchased us to be. And we have to look in that mirror long enough to make adjustments to follow him into a new reality. If we don't ever have this conversation, and we just continue to pray for the next 40 years about the things that I'm stuck in, I'm never going to move into freedom that's already been purchased for me. But you've got to look in the mirror long enough. We've said over and over over the past few weeks that sometimes when you first look in the mirror, it's a little shocking and a little bit intimidating. Let's keep looking. Let's figure out what's going on and let's move. Let's move by the power of Christ and through faith. Let's move into a new reality. So, Stephen says, I, I seem to continue praying about the things that I'm controlled by, the things I'm stuck in. Which is also recognizing that there's more freedom to be attained in Christ than we're currently living out in our journey. Who else? Category characteristics that you see in your own prayer life. It almost seems like category one's like scared and then category two is like confidence. Okay. Like focusing on it's me personally I think I started off kind of like Stephen does so the Thanksgiving but then after that I focus on the fear, death, guilt mm-hmm. and I'm definitely in the category one scared yeah but category two I mean instead of worrying about the end of life thinking about the beginning of something that'd be the ultimate goal but it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to yeah I know how you transition that that's the journey we're on sure so, so you I, can
3: kind of have one foot in category one, and one in category two. Almost in category mm-hmm. two, you just need one more push to get there. Yeah. It's
1: like yeah, you don't you don't feel like you live out category one, but it's just like it kind of it's like a reoccurring like it's just like it's a constant reminder, isn't? You're constantly fighting to get back to the hope that you have in Christ. It's just
0: it just feels like a. there's bit. that talk. <laughs> <laughs> it was so relevant that I could I could not draw it. But here's category one. Paul says that's the old category too. Jesus is the new. This is where we were. And Paul says in Second Corinthians 3 that it's one degree at a time that we are transformed into the image of Jesus. So you're exactly right.
3: And that's where I come, where I said I pray for God's will to be done so that I can let go of that stuck, controlled, mm-hmm. and accept what His will is for me and let go of. What's
0: controlling me? Yeah. And the interesting thing is, I think what Paul said: we're, we're transforming one degree of glory to another. One degree, one degree, one degree. Sometimes we're <laughs> sometimes the needle's going back and forth, a couple degrees forward, three degrees back, right? But I think what we're doing right now, where what you're saying and what Stephen's saying, just saying that out loud is releasing. Really and yeah and looking at the measurements, okay, I really am way closer to category one than I am category two. I really am closer to the fear and guilt that the law has placed on me, which was only intended to point you to Jesus because only He can forgive you of it. Right? All these things are simply to point you Over here and say Jesus is the only one that overcomes this. But if we don't ever look in the mirror and say, Huh, I'm defined by what I'm stuck in, that defines my life. If we don't ever look in the mirror and say that to ourselves, say it out loud that I'll never be set free from it, because that's part of the confession of our prayer life. And the confession of our prayer life can move us from this degree. This degree. How do I get from one to the next? Mark says. Sometimes it's saying out loud the things that God has said in the scripture. Saying, I read that. I agree with you, Father. That's me. I agree with you. That's me. I don't want it to be me anymore. And I know Jesus has overcome that. So I'm going to say that out loud. I'm going to agree with my heavenly Father. And he says, one degree of glory after one degree of glory after one degree of glory. And it could be six months or it could be six years. And you'll look up and I'll ask you the same list of questions again. And all of your answers can be found in Category 2. You may not know what day it happened. But you can look back at the season and say that was a transformational season. That I was transformed in the image of Christ. I was once defined by my fear. I was once defined by my guilt. Now I come boldly to the throne of God like Hebrews tells us to. Not on my own goodness, but on the goodness of Jesus is where my courage is found. Every end that comes my way is simply a new birth in Christ. I will not fear the things that conclude because those are the things that God is beginning in my life. I'll handle them well, but I'll handle them faith faith you know we talked about this with Hannah and her losing her grandma the other day a natural human loving thing to, to, to have remorse over the loss of a loved one but the further I move towards Christ the more we're going to celebrate grandma's new life that is now eternal and not temporary I know it's a hard transition to get from A to B But that's what happens. That's what happens. So I want you all to read a couple passages with me. And diagnose some scripture, some prayers that are going on. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. I took way longer on that front end than I thought I would. So, we'll see if we can be faithful with the second half of this. Acts 4, we're going to be verse 29 through 31. I didn't want to draw the taco, but I had to draw the taco because it seemed so good in the moment. It's not really a taco, it's a protractor. Is that a protractor? Did you take geometry? Acts chapter 4 verse 29. Let me give you a very brief setting. Here's the the context. Um, Peter and John... After Jesus was crucified and came back to life and appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and then He ascended to the Heavenly Father where He sits today, seated at the right hand of God, soon to return for all His people, right? Peter and John saw this, they were impressed by this, and then they watched Jesus leave, and and Jesus, before He left, He said, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples and baptize all nations in In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. So the first thing they do when Jesus leaves is they go. And they begin to speak about what they have seen and heard. Problem is, the same people that killed Jesus are still alive. And they still don't like the fact that Jesus' followers, they perceive them to still be a threat to all of their prosperity and structure. Political structure, power structure. So when Peter and John are going and proclaiming what they've seen and heard in Jesus the Jews in Rome still think that they're trying to overthrow them. They're not, but they perceive that any growing movement would be a threat to their movement. Right. So Peter and John are going out, they're telling, they're doing that, they're healing people in the power of Jesus, and that's what happened. They healed this man who was 40 years old who had been paralyzed since birth. And everybody knew this man. And, and, and they, they came... And he's like, hey, can, can you guys give me money? They're like, no, but what we do give you, we give you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And man gets up and walks. And now, once again, they're perceived as a threat to the structures again. So they grab Peter and John, and they begin to threaten them, saying, don't do that again. Stop it. <laughs> and they slap him on the wrist, and they threaten to beat him. And, and, and they're just trying to intimidate them to the point where they'll shut up. Right, where they'll quit talking about what they've seen and heard. But um, Peter and John say, if it's right for us to obey you or God, you decide. But we're going to obey our Heavenly Father, not you, no matter how much you threaten us. So look at here in verse 29. We find these men praying. We found Peter and John praying. It says, now, Lord, consider these people's threats. And grant that your servants, us, may speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand for healing, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. So here they are in the situation of praying. We've heard their threats, God, you hear their threats. Now, grant that we may speak your word with all boldness. And when we touch people, Father, you stretch out your hand and bring healing through our prayers and through our touch as we go from this place. Because of the prayer, that place was shaken, it was stirred, and they went out and they did exactly what they had prayed for. Okay? So, what characteristics do we see in this prayer? So, <coughs> Boldness. You see boldness. Now, partially because it said boldness. it's kind of a <laughs> different <of that laughs> one. Right? But you're a pretty sharp little Bible student there. It uh, said there's freedom in it. Okay. They're like, you know, although there's these threats, still give us the power to go out and speak. They are not controlled by the threats of others. Instead, they're going <coughs> to walk in the freedom that they have. You're right. Could have been controlled. Anybody else controlled by the threats of others? Right? You do that, I'm going to do this. Okay, now their threat controls me and my decision making and my movements. Right? Boldness. Freedom. What else? <coughs> I'm going to say they prayed in life. It was the beginning of things. It could have been the end of things. Oh, they threatened us. They slapped us on the wrist. Jesus is gone This is the end of season, it's over, it's doomed. No, it's a new beginning, it's a new opportunity. We're going to pray about this new season and this new ministry. It's interesting, they didn't pray for comfort, they didn't pray for the resistance to go away. Temporary things. Would you stop the threats, Father? Would you stop them from threatening us? They prayed for everlasting treasure. No. They can continue their threats, but we're going to be bold through it. And as we are, would you produce everlasting life in those that we come in contact with? They didn't pray for temporary comfort. They prayed for everlasting treasure to come out of their actions. How does the direction of my prayer correlate to the direction of my life? So we saw that here. They prayed and they did. So think about that. Is there a connection between the direction of your prayer life and the direction of your life? Do you you see those two things woven together, pushing and shoving each other? How is your prayer connected, correlated to the direction of your life? When you pray in category
1: one and stay in fear, then you wait for all these things to get resolved before you start looking at the hope that's in
0: category two. I don't think so. You're stuck. Could we be feeding our own slavery in our own prayer life? It's possible. Well, I've been praying about it for two years. How are you praying about it? Right? I think there is a correlation. How else? How, how is the direction of our prayer correlate to the direction of our life? What do you you think would have happened if they would have prayed for a temporary hold on their threats? Father, if you will make this easier, then we'll go home. What would have happened? They'd have been stuck. They'd have stayed where they were. They would never spoke. They would never healed. They'd have waited on things to get easier before they made a move. Anybody waiting on things to get easy before you make a move? Father, if you'll just change this, then I'll go do what I know you really want me to do. But you just soften the blow over here so that I'll have more margin to go pursue this. But they, they had a different mentality. We come boldly. We pray for more boldness. They were already operating in boldness. They just asked for more boldness. Because if you read a few verses before that, they're already speaking boldly, healing boldly. We're going to keep doing that amidst the threats and we're going to ask you to increase what we're already seeing. We're moving that direction. We're going to keep pressing on. We have a lot of reasons to be afraid. We see death happening all around us. There's martyrs for the faith right now. We we could be enslaved by our fear and their threats and we could ask for just simple comfort. But we're going to keep pressing into these things because it's really really easy to want to slide back into the And I, we wouldn't blame them one bit, would we? Would any of us blame them if they were huddled up in their house and prayed until Rome got overthrown and there was no more threat? We wouldn't blame them one bit. But they didn't. And God wrote a different story through them. The direction of our prayers correlates to the direction of our life. We can actually pray ourselves into a deeper sense of slavery. <laughs> it's possible that we could pray the needle backwards. That's why you have people say over and over and over, I've been praying about it. Nothing's happening. What are you doing? Where are you going? What's the direction? Or are you just praying until something happens? Right? One more passage, Luke chapter 22. So go backwards in your Bible. Anybody know who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. It's a sequel to the gospel of Luke. Right? It's like Harry Potter. I mean, the storyline's completely different, but the fact of sequels, or Rocky, or whatever. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, and then if you read the book of Acts, it says, As you read in my former book, now I'm going to finish the story in the book of Acts. So, same author, different passage. Luke 22, we're going to look at verse 31 and 32. Here we are at the end of Jesus' life. Um, he's about to be arrested, and then we know he's going to be crucified. He's going to be hung on a the cross, they're going to put him in a grave, and he'll raise to life three days later. But before all that happens, he comes to Peter, and, and what did he tell Peter was going to happen? You're going to, You're going to deny me three times. He he told Peter in advance. Before the rooster crows, you're going to tell everybody in this place you don't know me. Peter didn't believe him. All these things, but he, before that happens, he comes to Peter and he tells him this: Simon, Simon, look out! Verse thirty-one, chapter twenty-two. Simon, look out! Because Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. That means He's going to separate you, pull you apart. He's going to see what's inside of you and it's going to hurt like hell. Right? But I've prayed for you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He's prayed for me. That your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers also. It's like there's this moment where Jesus comes to Peter and says, Peter, Satan has approached me and he wants to pull you apart. Don't worry about it, Peter. I prayed for you. Now in that moment when Jesus says that, we would be doing a happy dance. The Son of God has gone to the Father on my behalf. Satan cannot touch me. Jesus didn't say that. He said, I'm going to let him. I'm going to let him sift you. I'm going to let him pull your heart apart. I'm going to let him distraught you until the point where you don't know what to do. You're going to let it happen. But when this passes and you're stronger than you were before, strengthen your brothers also. So what characteristics do we see in this prayer that Jesus offers for Peter? Category 1, Category 2, various characteristics. How do we see Jesus praying for Peter? Well, he's going to let Satan do it to him, but some new things are going to come from it in Peter. Yep. A a new Peter. The end of a hard thing is the beginning of a good thing. We're going to let hard things happen because hard things till the ground... Create fertile soil where new life springs up. Peter, there's some things in your life that need to be dealt with. And since Satan has asked permission, nothing can happen without Jesus' permission. Satan doesn't have any authority, but he gave him permission to go in and stir things up in Peter's life. And out of that new life comes. The boldness to get through it and to reach out to his brothers to grow them. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus wasn't controlled by threats of opposition he continued to operate in freedom All right. everlasting treasure the work that's happening in your life Peter I'm going to pray that there would be a multiplication that would come out of that Remember what I've said over the last number of months that what God done has what God has done in you, He now wants to do through you. Right? Your blessings are hardly, if ever, about you; they're about what God's going to do through you. And this was an interesting blessing in the life of Peter. Jesus saw it as a blessing. Peter freaked out, right? Because He wanted to do something through him. How does the direction of my prayer life correlate to the direction of other people's lives. This is my second to last question. How does my prayer life correlate to the direction of other people's lives? It was like you said a minute ago. I've been praying for a lot
3: of my family members, people at work, to get saved. I don't know how I pray Just Lord, I pray they get saved. You know, mm-hmm. and nothing and then I I don't know I don't remember which word that correlates with but um like I don't I I wonder if it's because I'm not uh, faithful enough
0: that God will do it or if it's a long term thing or let me me first point out one thing this is not this is not anything but a helpful comment right now there's a tone of guilt in that God am I not faithful enough to see my family saved? do I not deserve this am I not good enough if something is not happening in their life is that my fault have I done that to them Mm -mm. Mm -mm. because you are a child of God Through the person of Jesus, and you're walking in undeserved righteousness, you go boldly to the throne on behalf of your family. There's no fear, there's no guilt. If it happens, it's not because you're good. If it doesn't happen, it's not because you're bad. Because our faith is dependent upon the goodness of Jesus, not the goodness of the person I see in the mirror. I'm a child of God because Jesus is good for me, not because I'm good. I don't have to pray in fear and guilt. I'm going to pray in boldness. I'm going to ask for things I don't deserve. Because Jesus paid for it. Right? I'm going to write checks I can't cash. Right? We want to hear these things. We want to see these things. Sometimes we pray for our family that they would come to know Christ but that it would happen in a very comfortable manner. What if Satan wants to sift your non-believing family, would you pray that on the other end of it comes new life? Or would you pray that it would stop? And that it would be comfortable for them? I see my sister coming up against something that could be tragic. Lord, stop it. Or, I see my sister coming up against something that could be tragic. And when she comes out the other side of it, let her praise your name and multiply in the lives of others. Right? It's so drastically different. But I think we need to recognize that the power, the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective, James says. You, Andrew, are the righteousness. Not because of yourself, but because of Jesus. He was righteous on your behalf. So you go to your Heavenly Father in all of His goodness. And it's powerful, not only in your own life, but in the lives of others. And I'm going to pray with boldness in the lives of others, not for temporary things, but for everlasting things, multiplying things. Because my prayer on behalf of others actually has effectiveness and causes changes in direction. So I want to to be very intentional about how I pray for others. Any other ways that our prayer life correlates to the lives of others? We may actually have the potential of praying somebody else's needle towards the other side. The problem
3: that I experience with that is sometimes that, that's what gets me stuck how so? like if you're praying for a specific person mm-hmm. and they don't make <coughs> changes for themselves mm-hmm. there's you get stuck because you're continuing and continuing and continuing and there's no progress yeah and so you feel like you either have to just let go of that prayer for that person, mm-hmm. or you're stuck continuing to pray for that person.
0: Yeah, I think Andrew did say something else that correlates to what you're saying. And God doesn't have one of these.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He doesn't have one of these. I concluded in the last season of life and ministry that God has a purpose, not a timeline. And sometimes His purpose takes more time. So because you don't see it happen today, realize that God's not timing it. He's aligning it. I
2: think AJ's a good example of
0: that. I prayed for AJ's salvation for four years. And the whole time we continued to Discipled him, invest in him. He went through a divorce. He went through a move to another city. And I thought that we lost influence in AJ's life. You know what God thought? I hadn't planned a Bridgetown church yet. So we met AJ when we were doing ministry at a church in this town across across the interstate. He got divorced. He left. He moved off. We lost contact. We left the church. We came to start church in Little Rock. AJ found his way back to us. And then we let, and I actually thought, oh crap, we're coming to Benton. We're going to lose touch and influence in AJ's life. You know what happened? Richard and Freeman have more influence in AJ's life today than we did yesterday. God has a purpose, not a timeline. So I think I can pray because I see the, the minutes passing by on my prayer life. Does not decrease my boldness. It should increase my anticipation that God is aligning things to accomplish a purpose. And He doesn't want to shortchange a short change of process because He's got an ultimate plan. He's got all things are connected for God. They're not distracted. You know, they're not this thing and that thing, it's all things. So actually, the passing of time can actually increase my boldness and anticipation, not decrease it. Increasing my guilt, slavery, and fear. What was that? Just
2: three weeks ago, was that when he called you and was like, "Yeah, I made Jesus savior." Yeah, I don't like, know the answers to all the questions that I have.
0: <laughs> Me and Josh Hendrick sat with AJ for two years, answering his questions, question after question after question after question. None of them satisfied him. Yeah, that makes sense. But what about this? It just it is fun to go through that process with him. But he, I sat. Lunch table with him the other day. He said, you know what? I still have questions. But it doesn't matter anymore. That's good, A.J. I still got questions. I still got questions. Don't let timelines scare you. Continue to be faithful. Continue to be bold. Don't let passing of time decrease your boldness and increase your fear. God doesn't have a watch. He has a purpose. Right? differently when I understand that. Last question. Who do we need to pray for? That's the question that you find in your book. Each day when you go through this, it's going to ask you, who do you need to pray for? Right? So who do you need to pray for today? This couple ways. Number one, pray for those people, but also pray faithfully for those people. Like according to what we've kind of just talked about. If, if let's make sure that as we pray for people, we're praying in this category, not in this category. Funny thing, it's going to require faith for you to pray over here. Because everything in your flesh wants to pray over here. It's going to require you believing something that may not feel completely true yet. It's going to require you to pray with faith over here. But, two things are going to happen. As you begin to pray by faith in Category 2, two things are going to happen. Number one, the prayers of the righteous are effective and powerful and can move the needle in other people's lives second thing that's going to happen, as you pray in category two, it's going to affect the direction of your own life. Simultaneously. Through your prayers. Prayers of boldness. Prayers of anticipation of new life. Prayers where you are dependent upon Jesus being right and not you. Prayers of freedom to store up treasures in heaven we move ourselves and others to be transformed into the image of Jesus one degree at a time. Prayer matters. 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 So I'm going to ask you to utilize that. Pray for those that you need to pray for. And I want to ask before we've quit, is there anybody in here that we could pray for before we leave? Can we pray for one another? Can we pray for one another before we leave?